everybody, how's it going? This is Hub, and welcome back to another episode of Titan Up the Defense, a podcast that would likely benefit from a tagline. As I believe I just mentioned, I'm Hub, and I hope you're having a fine whenever the heck you happen to be listening to this. Me? I'm doing okay. Was uh, listening to the radio the other day, which is still a thing I do from time to time, and Prince Song came on, Little Red Corvette, and I was like, oh, I kind of like this song. It's never my favorite Prince song, but, you know, it's pretty good. And got to a lyric that I had never really thought about before. And then I did. And it was gross. You might know the one that I'm talking about, but it had honestly never occurred to me before that the pocket full of horses, Trojans and some of them used. I caught that. Caught that it was a reference to condoms. Some of them used. Not some of them missing. Dude is walking around with a pocket full of used condoms. Gross! Don't do that! Ugh! Ah, song lyrics. What can you do? With very few exceptions, they're pretty dumb. And that's fine. That's why they got music under them. Yeah. Anyway, before we get into the episode, I do want to address something that came up a couple of uh, episodes ago. I got an email calling me out on my use of language, and it was totally legitimate. And I was kind of on the fence as to whether or not to even bring it up, but I feel like I should. Back in the episode that was about issue 17 of the New Teen Titans, I referred to Francine Kane's mom as being a bitch. And I shouldn't have. Uh, I try not to use gendered insults. My problem with Francine Kane's mom had absolutely nothing to do with her gender. She was being an asshole, and I should have referred to her as such. So I am honestly sorry if anybody was offended by that. Um, I have no problem with profanity. I probably overuse it, which diminishes its impact, but I don't have any real problem with that. But I had somebody write in and, and correctly point out that it's a shitty word and is often applied to women for far less deserved reasons than calling your daughter a spawn of Satan and disowning her after her family has died, which is what Mrs. Kane did, which is what makes her an asshole, which, again, is what I should have called her. Yeah, for, for a number of reasons, it's a crappy word, and it's one that I've been trying to eliminate from my vocabulary, but until I've succeeded in eliminating it from my internal dialogue, it's still going to creep into the external a bit, and I'm I'm sorry about that, and I'm trying to work on it. Again, this I'm, I'm not trying to be defensive about it. I genuinely appreciate being called out on things like that, and I hope that you guys continue to do it. Thank you. In summation, the uh, word bitch is a shitty word and should only be used as a gerund and then only applied to Camaros. So, with that unpleasantness out of the way, without any further ado, let's ado this. Today's synopsis rhyme is submitted by Josh Bickford. Drama moves strutting like a peacock. Defenders acting like quitting means time to rock. Namor showing off his abs of steel. Val chopping steamrollers like it ain't no deal. Tighten up the defense Patreons are philanthropic. Now here is this week's killer synopsis. Thanks, Josh. And yes, our Patreon donors are very philanthropic. Thanks, guys. Defenders, number 14, July 1974. And who shall inherit the earth? Written by Len Wein. Trotted by Sal Buscema, with inks by Dan Green. Defensive lineup! Namor, Doctor Strange, Valkyrie, The Incredible Hulk, Nighthawk. Previously in The Defenders, 
A depleted Defenders roster consisting of Valkyrie, Doctor Strange, and the Hulk were hanging out in the Sanctorum listening to Steve lecture them about the cool magic shit that he owns. This multi-pod lecture series was interrupted by an unexpected knock at the door. Well, technically the door exploded, but that's pretty much the superhero equivalent of a polite knock. The unexpected guest turned out to be Nighthawk. Nighthawk is Marvel C-minus knockoff of Batman, only a criminal, so technically he's Marvel C-minus knockoff of Owlman. After the mandatory misunderstanding and subsequent scuffle, the bird-beaked billionaire burglar settled in for some exposition. It seems that one week ago, Nighthawk, whose alter ego is billionaire playboy Kyle Richmond, received a letter demanding that he rendezvous at the nearby observatory at midnight. When Kyle showed up, he was surprised to be greeted by his former crime cohorts, the Squadron Sinister. The Squadron are C-minus knockoffs of the Justice League, only criminals, so technically C-minus knockoffs of the Crime Syndicate. Kyle was shocked to see his old baddie buddy, seeing as the last time he had heard, they were either dead in prison or shrunk down to tiny size and jammed inside a magic snow globe. The Syndicate, or Squadron, explained that they had gotten respectively freed, reembiggened, and resurrected, thanks to a mysterious benefactor named Nebulon, the cosmic man from beyond the stars. They called on Nebulon to appear, and like a golden-skinned cosmic Beetlejuice, Nebulon popped in to provide some inter-expositional exposition. The Squadron's Bowie-esque benefactor explained to Nighthawk that in exchange for his aid, the costumed criminal cadre had sold him the planet Earth. Unfortunately for the planet's current inhabitants, this unsavory real estate contract had some unsettling stipulations, most notably that the planet in question was to be entirely underwater. Oh no! To satisfy this subaquatic condition of sale, the squadron agreed to build a giant laser to melt the polar ice caps. Shitty. The supervillains turned real estate moguls demand that Kyle help them with the laser assembly. He said nah-uh, but Nebulon insisted yeah-huh. A compelling argument, especially when backed up by nonsensical cosmic powers. Under threat of cosmic coercion, Kyle agreed to help out. But a few days later, once the planet-damping device was completed, he snuck out to seek the aid of the world's greatest super team. But the Avengers weren't available, so we figured he'd give the Defenders a try. Steve and the gang agreed to assist the avaricious avian enthusiast, but before the quartet of costumed conservationists could plan any further, a mysterious pink ray came out of nowhere and apparently vaporized Nighthawk. Oh, snap! Realizing that the Defenders might require some assistance in their upcoming Arctic adventure, Steve used his mystical equivalent of FaceTime to contact the gang's old pal Namor the Submariner. Hooray! The proud Prince of Atlantis told Steve to go fuck himself. He had quit the team a couple of issues ago and was too busy having a dope new costume to save the world. So Steve used his magic to kidnap the Avenging Atlantean. Shitty move, Steve. The irascible Imperial Amphibian was about to pummel the sanctimonious sorcerer, but Val told him not to, so he didn't. Thanks, Val. Once the Scandinavian swordswoman explained the situation, Namor reluctantly agreed to aid his recent non-teammates. Hooray! That's right, evildoers. Nobody floods this planet on Namor's watch, except for Namor! Our heroes headed to the Arctic, where they found the Squadron Sinister. Also, it turned out that Nighthawk wasn't vaporized after all, just taken prisoner and jammed into an impenetrable magic snow globe. The defenders beat the shit out of the Squadron Sinister. Hooray! Then Nebulon showed up and used his ill-defined cosmic powers to stuff all of the defenders inside an impenetrable magic snow globe. Gadzooks! With the mighty Defenders sealed inside this visual metaphor from the beginning of Citizen Kane, can anything prevent the worldwide wetting? Now that Namor has returned to the fold, who will be the next to quit the non-team? And how on earth did I make it through the entire, previously in the Defenders, recap without mentioning that one member of the Squadron Sinister is a super speedster who wears a yellow costume and calls himself the Wizard? 
Stay tuned to find out! Okay, so, yes. Namor, of course. And, I honestly have no idea. It's pretty much all I ever want to talk about. Nebulon stands triumphant before the snow globe encased defenders. So, a few notes about Nebulon, the celestial man from beyond the stars. He has golden skin, long silver hair with matching silver gloves and what appears to be the Intercontinental Championship belt, and a sleeved, deep v-neck one-piece swimsuit that appears to be made out of a celestial map. He was also described last issue as having a voice that sounds like a thousand crystal gongs, which is both evocative and meaningless. Nice. Strange demands that the Defenders be released, but Nebulon points out, correctly, that that would be a super silly thing for him to do, seeing as they're trying to thwart his real estate deal. His Celestial Mama from Beyond the Stars didn't raise no Celestial Fools from Beyond the Stars. Nebulon makes the counteroffer that instead of releasing them, how's about he just kills them instead? Our heroes aren't super stoked about this prospect, but it is not their objection that stays the Cosmic Clothes Horse's plan. Surprisingly, the voice that prevents Nebulon's killstroke comes from Hyperion. That ancient Greek titan of the sun from the New Teen Titans? Nope, different douchebag named Hyperion. This douchebag named Hyperion is the Squadron Sinister's C-minus substitute Superman. Hyperion insists that before the Defenders die, they should suffer horrifically. They shall not know the sweet release of death's icy touch until they have first been forced to endure the torture of listening to Hyperion's backstory. No, anything but that. Although, actually, if anything, the Defenders have probably built up an effective immunity to boring stories after crashing at Steve's pad for a while. Anyway, Hyperion informs his bubble-bound audience that he was from a subatomic universe that was destroyed when the Earth scientists first split the atom. Shitty. He floated around space for a while, got bigger, joined the Squadron Sinister, fought the Avengers, got stuck in a snow globe, a lot of that going around lately. His snow globe got launched into space, so once again, he floated around for a while. Didn't much care for it. After a couple of months, he bumped into Nebulon's spaceship. Nebulon freed Hyperion from his enclosure and introduced himself as an interstellar geologist trying to make a big score. All his space geologist buddies had found cool planets to snake all the minerals from, and Nebulon was hoping to play some catch-up. His recently deterrariumed douchey new pal was all like, Hey, if you're looking for a planet to strip mine, I happen to own a doozy of one. And Nebulon was all like, sweet, can you give me a hand drowning everybody? And the rest is history. Wait a minute, Hyperion. You don't rule the world. Nobody does. And if anybody did, it would be Curtis Blow. And he'd love all the girls. He'd love them, love them, baby. When Hyperion is finished with his exposition, his super speedster baddie buddy, the magnificently monikered The Wizard, is like, hey, cool story. So can we kill the good guys now? Hyperion backhands the wizard and is like, No way! Nebulon, throw their terrarium into space! Floating through space is the worst, and there's absolutely no way you can get back to Earth once you've been floating in space. I should know, because I've done it twice, and as an expert, I can tell you it's impossible. Uh, yeah. Good point, dude. Nebulon does as his muscle-bound business associate requests, and hurls the bubble containing the Defenders and Nighthawk into space. Oh no! Things seem hopeless for our stalwart non-team of world savers. For about two panels. Then Nighthawk suggests that they try that thing where they all attack at the same time, and as always, the obvious metaphor for the concept of teamwork does the trick. Hooray! The defenders head back to Earth and start defending. By which I mean punching, mostly. 
The Celestial Man from Beyond the Stars orders the squadron to continue lasering the shit out of the North Pole while he deals with our heroes himself. The Golden Glam Space Geologist creates an ice giant to attack his foes. Oh no! If only there was some kind of powerful ice-melting laser nearby. Oh wait, there is. And the Hulk tosses the Olaf wannabe into the laser beam, which melts his giant ass. Okay, that wasn't fair of me. Nobody wants to be Olaf. I just didn't know if people would get a Laufey reference. Eh, I guess we'll find out. Now the interstellar real estate mogul is forced to take a more direct approach to combat. He starts zapping cosmic blasts at the defenders and teleporting them around so they accidentally hit each other. This works out okay for him for a little while. But then Steve has a crazy thought. What if they stopped attacking him single file and instead, once again, tried that thing where they all punch him at the same time? Hmm. Well, it's totally unprecedented and certainly hasn't worked once in this issue already, but you may as well give it a try. Amazingly, Steve's innovative and totally original plan works. Sea-strengthened punches and bolts of bedevilment start to penetrate the planet purchasing Pretty Boy's defenses, momentarily stunning him. And speaking of stunned, both the Defenders and the Squadron Supreme are stunned when Nebulon's form starts shimmering and blurring, eventually revealing that his true appearance is not that of a metal-skinned glam rocker in a celestial unitard, but rather a weird, gross, giant Cthulhu monster with a Demetrodon sail and a Sarlacc pit for a mouth. Well, that changes everything. If he isn't pretty, then I guess I'm opposed to his plan to flood the planet and kill everyone on it. Nebulon, the celestial Ugo from Beyond the Stars, explains that his people are aquatic, and that's why he wants to flood the world. He dressed up as a pretty boy because I guess he thought it would make Hyperion like him better. Jeez, Nebulon, it's like I don't even know you anymore. I'm not angry that you're a Cthulhu. I'm angry that you lied about being a Cthulhu. Are you even a geologist? The cosplaying cosmic Cthulhu starts to change back into his dude-shaped form so that he can move around on land better and get back to fighting the defenders. But while everyone is distracted by how gross Nebulon looks, Nighthawk commandeers the giant laser and blasts the fuck out of the form-altering alien asshole. Nebulon tries to absorb the energy from the laser blast, but it proves to be too much for him and he blows the hell up. The resulting explosion apparently vaporizes both the shape-shifting shithead and the squadron sinister. Hooray! Nighthawk starts to celebrate, but it seems that the effort of disintegrating a glam space Cthulhu and three criminal Justice League ripoffs overheated the laser cannon. The doomsday device explodes in an enormous fireball. Nighthawk tries to escape the blast, but there's no time. The bird-beaked, burgling billionaire's sweet, sweet, ridiculous outfit is destroyed. No! Oh, and also Nighthawk is dead. The defenders are pretty bummed out. Then Steve remembers that he can resurrect the dead. Wait, he can? Sweet. The defenders all hold hands and chant or something and are able to use their own life forces to jumpstart Kyle's aliveness. Or something. Hooray! Now can they resurrect his outfit? Tragically, they cannot. No! A grateful Kyle asks if he can join the defenders. Steve starts to launch into the standard speech of, Well, we're not really a team, more of a loosely knit collective of like-minded adventurers who... But Namor cuts him off. The subaquatic sovereign is like, Shut up, Steve. Let him join your stupid team, because I fucking quit. Again, but for real this time. And if you ever try to call me again, I'll kick your ass. Imperious Rex! And then he flies off. The gang is like, That's our Namor. And welcomes Nighthawk as the newest member of their non-team. Man, 
I kind of wish Nebulon's whole disguise had just been the standard trench coat and fedora. I'd love to see a Cthulhu in a trench coat. Someday. Someday. And joining me once again is my good for many things brother, Corey. Corey, how's it going? It's going pretty good. I'm glad to hear it. Corey, how would you describe your current state of mind? Average. So, not blown? Oh, by this issue? Just in general. No, I'd, I'd say it's, it's intact. Okay. Are you ready to change that? I don't know. Is it in a good way or a bad way? We'll see, man. It turns out that this is our 100th episode. What? Yeah, I oh. figured that out the other day. Oh, man. I didn't prepare anything special for it. I just noticed it's uh, it's our 40th episode of Tighten Up the Defense, and we did 60 of Teen Titan Wasteland. There's a couple bonus episodes in there, but... Holy shit. Canonically, 100 goddamn episodes. Oh, well, happy centennial. Likewise. Now. Yes. Back to the matter at hand. Okay. What'd you think? Oh, this was a lot of fun. I agree. This was a really, really fun issue. Mm-hmm. A real romp. Indeed. Pretty frothy. Frothy enough. Yeah. I really dug it. It was really fun. Really kind of breezed by. There was some bullshittery going on. There yep. were some parts that didn't make a ton of sense. Yep. What'd you think of Nebulon? Well, we definitely have firmly established that good guy or bad guy and nobody likes an ugly alien. Hmm. Very true. Like, it's cool if he looks like uh, Michael Moorcock's Elric. Oh, he totally does. Look, you know, golden, but... Right, right. No, he is, I think, maybe a mashup of Michael Cor... I think it's Moorcock, but... No, that... it absolutely is, and I okay. can't believe I mispronounced it because <laughs> that is a name that has caused me a lot of chuckles over the years. Yeah. But I feel like he is a mashup of Michael Moorcock's Elric and David Bowie's Ziggy Stardust. Whoa! <laughs> like, and this That's came out earth. a couple of years after, and sure. like, the man who sold the earth versus the man who bought the earth. Mm -hmm. um, I was thinking about that when I was reading these yeah, issues. Yeah, he's definitely got kind of a glam space oddity vibe to oh, him. yeah. And I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah, definitely a 70s glam villain. Yeah. Before he turned into the mucus-covered tentacle thing. Yeah, yeah, man, that was a weird-looking dude. Nobody liked it. I think I wrote down in my notes that he changed into a Demetrodon Sarlacc Cthulhu pillar. Whoa. I don't know what that first one is. Uh, that was the dinosaur that had the sail on his back. Oh, yeah. He did have one of those sail things. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I didn't really understand what his motivation was for turning into the creature and then not turning. I know he involuntarily turned into the creature. Right. But then after he did, he was like, good, I was tired of maintaining that stupid illusion. And then was immediately like, but I better put it back on. Don't look too. at me. <laughs> well, yeah, he said that, but he did it in his voice that was like a thousand crystal gongs ringing at once. Yeah, I can't. I have no idea off. how that would even sound. Pretty fucking cool. Maybe. That's a lot of crystal gongs. I don't even know what a crystal gong sounds like. No, me either. Just a regular metal one sounds pretty cool, though. Pretty cool. I've been putting some gong. Yeah, I heard the last lately. episode. That was you and little gong crazy. Yeah. That's understandable. I want the Hulk to like the show. Mm -hmm. What'd you think about the Squadron Sinister? Well, it's just, we're really keeping with the theme that all Hyperions are total dicks. Yeah, no kidding, man. Mm -hmm. I still like this guy better than the other Hyperion. Yep. In particular, his high-waisted, grandmotherly, small clothes, not small clothes, that's a Game of Thrones thing. Under, like, the his outfit had, like, this, uh, like, granny panty pulled up almost to his sternum. Oh, I was thing. interpreting that as, like, a 
championship belt. <laughs> no, it's just a tall really underwear corset. You think thing. that's just a high waisted panties? It was, it was like all one piece, right? Does yeah, his champion man. belt include like a cup or Probably. a cod You can't be too per- careful when you're the champion. The guy's already had a whole universe explode on him. Protect the family make... jewels. Exactly. With your champion belt. Exactly. That, I don't. I guess you, you you could be right. Maybe that's the it's, deal. It's a weird look is all. It is a weird look. We could talk more about his fashion choices later. No, these were good villains. I liked them. They were good villains. It was He had a weird relationship with Nebulon. Like... I kept kind of thinking, like, is there something romantic between them? He seems very taken with Nebulon. Oh, I didn't get that in Um, that way. There were a couple of instances when he just talks about after Nebulon picked him up in his spaceship when he was cruising out into the stratosphere. He's like, we talked for hours. Um, He he was in a bubble by himself in space and got rescued, so... that's, That's true. He's very protective of Nebulon when the other members of the squadron are like, Let's get out of here. He, he fucked up. Hyperion's just like, no, we are staying and saving Nebulon. We have to. And he, more than anybody else, seems taken aback at Nebulon's true form. Like, what does he care? Either way, it's an evil alien who's trying to take over the Earth. Uh-huh. What does he care that it's a pretty alien or a uh, Cthulhu pillar? Mm. But he is the one who is like, it, it, it has to be some kind of an illusion. And Nebulon's like... No, in my voice of a thousand crystal gongs, it is not an illusion. This Uh, is the real me. Maybe I was projecting, but I felt like there was something going on with Hyperion and Nebulon. um, Their their names both end in ons. They could have bonded about that. They both hate the stupid earth. Yeah, I mean, you make a decent case. I didn't see it. Okay, okay. Maybe I was reading into it. I don't know. Other than that, Hyperion's motivation seemed all over the goddamn map. Like, I kind of like his origin story. I think it makes a lot of sense as a supervillain origin. I think it's kind of a cool idea that his universe was contained in the atom that was split by the first time we started doing nuclear shit. So that's why he's got an atom on his shirt, and that's why he hates the Earth. Because we fucked everything up for him. Yeah, I mean, you'd be mad if somebody blew up your Eh. universe. Yeah, I mean, we're not doing a great job with it right now. Well, no, it's just like the planet, but yeah, like the whole thing. Then there's just like, shit. Yeah. What do we do now? I guess I'd be pretty bummed. So it looks like Nighthawk's on the team. Yes. <laughs> I, was, I was surprised by that. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I, I, I kind of like Nighthawk, although I'm, I'm skeptical going forward. Of there, what? Well, so a lot of Nighthawk's portrayal seems to be that he's like a straight-talking everyman who is also a billionaire. And I think that's kind of weird. Just like every man character who is also just a wealthy billionaire, but we're supposed to be, is he's like the common man on the team, kind of. He's no Mr. Jupiter. That's true. Not as trustworthy. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, we don't know where he ranks in the world's wealth. Mm-hmm. And that seems suspicious. I don't I like, like to know <laughs> if he's the richest man in the world, mm-hmm. if he's the fifth richest man in America. You know, I want to know where I stand with these billionaires. I guess what I'm saying is, Nighthawk, release your taxes. Right. I like Nighthawk. There's some weird shit about him. Do you know what his power is? I couldn't really figure that out. Super strength, flying around? Mm, well, he can't really fly around. I think he has some, like, jetpacks maybe rigged at some point. Okay. Um, he's mostly just a regular dude. Billionaire dude. Definitely a Batman knockoff. But he has this weird thing where at nighttime... He is three times as strong as a regular man. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, that's pretty good. 
because probably lots of crime happens that night. I mean, not in these comics, but right, <laughs> you know, in the in the world, in the world, yeah, mm-hmm. a lot, lot of night crime. Yeah, mostly You're be a night hawk. I mean, well, and initially he was a supervillain, so a, that's when he wants to do his crime. Yeah, he was a criminal. Yeah, yeah. I, that's that's another thing that I don't like about him. Like that he was a criminal. I'm fine with criminals. You know that about me. <laughs> And I'm even fine with billionaires being criminals. But if you're a billionaire who's a criminal, stealing shit. Dude, you've got enough shit. It's for shits and giggles. Yeah, I know, but I don't know, man. You're looking for a bad guy with a heart of gold. Or like, hey, maybe you want to take over the planet. Maybe you have a bigger goal other than wealth accumulation because you already have all the goddamn wealth. Like, that it's just for shits and giggles. I don't know, man. Get a different hobby. Play some high life. Well, now, That's very dangerous. Well, he just basically switched hobbies. Is yeah, that what no, you don't like about him? No, I, I like I like that about him now. And like I said, overall, I do like Nighthawk. I just have some concerns going forward. Uh-huh. But I do like him. He, he did a good job sacrificing himself. Now he's part of all, part of, all of the Defenders live on in him. Because he got lazarus by them. And now... So if, like, one of them dies, is he, like, a fifth less alive? No, I think that was just like a jump start. Okay, that makes sense. I, w- I was kind of hoping that was the case, because otherwise that's just kind of creepy. Like yeah. if he's just siphoning off a little bit of their life, or... No, I think it's like in a like in a game where you get, like, you, like you got a few hearts, and then like Zelda, and then you lose a heart, and but then later you get the heart back. So... If you don't screw up. Can Doctor Strange just bring anybody back to life? Ostensibly, if he has enough other people that can channel Does their that... energy. If he can get Hulk to do it, he can probably get anybody to do it. I did really like that, like, the Hulk was just, just like, like I'll just kind of look around and see what these other guys are doing. Try my best. Looks like they're thinking. Okay. Think, think, think. Mmm, <laughs> beans. Yeah, beans I don't know good. if Hulk actually really participated. <laughs> you I think he was just kind of mouthing the words? It's like the couple of times I've been to church. I'm just like, <laughs> right. I feel like I need to sort of look like I'm... Right. Belong there. Yeah. Otherwise, like, you don't know what'll happen. Right. They could turn on you in an instant. Could happen. Mm-hmm. Get off their pitchforks. Chase yep. you around. Yep. No, oh, nobody wants the that. The guy doesn't know the words. Yep. <laughs> oh, it was him. <laughs> he wasn't even mouthing them. Yep. Mm, terrible. Mm. Terrible. That's okay. why I don't go to church. It's uncomfortable. It's one of a number of reasons I don't go to church. <laughs> Mostly the discomfort. <laughs> right. So I, I talked. We talked a little bit about uh, Hyperion's unclear motivations. At any point, did you suspect that he was, like, an inside man or that he was going to turn on Nebulon? Because it read that way to me as I was reading it. Just the, like, no, don't kill them. Uh, That's too good for them. Send them into space. It it seemed like he was stalling. Uh, Yeah, that was just one of those things that comes up in comic books where it's like, well, of course, Nebulon could just kill them all because they're in the bubble. But then there'd be no more comic books. But just the fact that it was addressed that all of the other villains are like, yeah, kill them. And Hyperion's like, no, 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 no. I don't know. No, it's the same thing that we always see. We're just like, and now that I'm about to kill you, I will explain everything. Yeah, you're right. It did fake me out a little bit. Especially because I guess it was just the one turn where he convinced them not to kill them. But I think it was like interrupted by him having the flashback. So it seemed like there were like two different times. Yeah, I, um... Could you move that creepy baby? <laughs> it's really distracting. <laughs> I 
keep looking over there and it's making me is that better lose, yeah what <laughs> in case i don't cut that part out there is not a real baby in here that is creeping Corey out there is a weird cupid doll that i got from my grandparents house a couple of years ago that so creepy. i have been using for practical jokes on my wife and she put it in That's the recording room with me it's pretty funny though that's probably it's like open the shower in the morning and he's in there <laughs> i don't know man she was trying to use it on me but it doesn't creep me out i, I have don't. fond childhood memories of that creepy doll uh what were what is <laughs> where were we <laughs> the wizard's bloodthirstiness yeah he was a great bad guy i Dude. imagine him with like a really nasal like super irritating voice oh totally the wizard is great i love any iteration of a character named the wizard i mentioned in the last issue there are two marvel super speedsters who are named the wizard mm-hmm. i like the evil one yeah i like the good one better because the good one uh has a straight yellow costume mm-hmm. and uh got his powers from mongoose blood good flash bad flash yeah good wizard bad wizard mm-hmm. the wizard of whiz that's a wrestling move. The wizard? Uh-huh. Is it when you pee on a guy? Uh, no. What's that called? Uh, they don't have that one. Oh, uh, that's too bad. Yeah. You know what some people well, who do... No, do... that's okay. I'm, I'm okay <laughs> with that not being a thing, actually. Okay. What's the wizard as a wrestling move? Is it when you infuse your opponent with mongoose blood? No, it's just like a thing with your arm. Uh, you know what sometimes people in jujitsu don't like when you call it? What? Karate hugs. Eh, that's not bad. But yeah, I have some coworkers who do jujitsu, and I was like, "You gonna go practice your karate hugs?" It looks pretty huggy. Yeah, yeah, but it's karate hugs. You don't <laughs> like it either, do you? <laughs> oh, it's just not super, and it'd be more accurate to call it like judo hugs. But if you are hugging someone, ought your hand not to be empty? What doesn't karate mean empty hand? Oh, I don't know. Oh man, I think it does. Okay, pretty good joke. <laughs> yeah, good one. Thank you. Uh, ninja means. Sneaky hands? What? Ninja means sticky hands? Sneaky. Does it? No. Oh. I don't know. You know what? Hmm. Dalai Lama means oceans of wisdom. Oh, that is true. We do know that for a fact from TV. It's it's true. Uh-huh. So, there's your fun fact of the day. <laughs> so, it seems like the Hulk and Nighthawk are bonding awfully quickly. New best friend. Got rid of Fishman. Need a new mm. buddy. Yeah. That makes me sad. Hulk is simple like that, though. That's true. But I think maybe his bonding process with Birdnose was maybe sped up by the fact that when he made his little statement at the end, that's like, you will be our new friend. Mm -hmm. They were both wearing tattered pants. Oh, yeah. He's like me. I think it's just like, oh, okay. Yeah, this guy's all right. (laughs) This guy seems pretty cool. Oh, man. I had this funny experience today. I stopped by the store to get a beer and a pie Uh before I came here. And at the same time as I walked in, this this elderly man walked in wearing, except for our footwear, the exact same outfit I'm wearing, which today is a faded black t-shirt and some jorts. Oh, man. Yeah. And he had this, they were the same, like, we looked like... Did either of you comment on it? No, we both sort of looked at each other and I think mentally we're like, oh, that's weird. I'm going to walk faster. any chance that he was you from the future and he had come to warn you about something? No, we, we look pretty different. Oh. Uh, yeah. Maybe time had ravaged your once beautiful features and turned you into the wizened gargoyle you saw before you. Maybe, but he didn't say anything. We just sort of both uncomfortably, like, walked off really mm. fast. He didn't, like, push you out of the way of anything? No. Huh. Okay. Yeah. That's too bad. Yeah, I know. It, but it was weird. I think I went, huh. 
Nice. Yeah. Which is maybe why he became uncomfortable <laughs> and walked away. Sometimes people don't like it when you laugh at them for no reason. I didn't point or anything. Oh, well then you're totally polite. Well done. So yeah, it seems like Namor maybe has quit the team for good this time. Somebody's gonna get in trouble if they call him back again, which is understandable. I mean, I feel like he Doctor said that Strange. before. Yeah, no kidding. I mean, Doctor Strange does a pretty good job in this issue. He does resurrect the dead. But yeah, his whole dealing with the Namor situation, not great, man. Nope. And it never has been. You got two big egos, and they're gonna bump. Yeah. But, I mean, it's not like this is the first time Namor has stormed off. How many times do you think Namor has quit the team? How many issues 13. are we? We're on issue 14. I would say he's quit the team 14 times. Okay, I don't think that's actually true. Do you think maybe he has just, like, quit the team within issues and they edited it out to save time? Yeah. I, I would say probably, literally, he has quit the team at this point eight times. Really? Does that's that sound it. about right? Well, because there's the whole, he doesn't quit during the Avengers Defenders War. So that's like oh, that's a several five-part arc. Ah, he doesn't quit during those. Good point. So like if you've got a continuous story, he will only quit at the end of the continuous story. Mm-hmm. But it really, I, I think just looking at the covers that are coming up, I think this time we, we may have, I, I'm sure he, he will be back on the team at some point, but for at least a little while, the Prince of Abslantis has departed. That's a shame, because his new outfit was pretty cool. I love and, his new outfit, man. Yeah. It's, it's real good. I liked that when he quit the team this time, it was after Nighthawk had been brought back to life and had been like, so maybe I could join the team. And Doctor Strange was saying like, oh, we'd love to have you join the team. You know, if it were a team that people could join and mm-hmm. not a loose collective of individuals whose goals sometimes coincide... And Namor cuts him off and is like, nah, dude, let him join the team because I'm fucking out of here. And it's as he's, it's as if when he is quitting the team, he's like, okay, now that I'm definitely not part of it, you guys are totally a team. Mm -hmm. A team of assholes. Yeah. Namor out. Imperious Rex. Mic drop. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And with the threat too. He's like, and by the way, Steve, if you ever do that to me again, I am going to fuck your shit up. He gets some good digs in on Doctor Strange as they are about to shatter themselves out of the bubble. It's on page 11. And I want to talk some about them shattering their way out of the bubble because there are a few things about that that I think are worth mentioning. Yeah, when they are about to shatter their way out of the bubble, Nighthawk suggests that they all punch the same place together. Yep. Doctor Strange says, Of course, I've been a fool. Oh, yeah. And Namor responds, No, Strange, you've merely been human. And that is quite enough. (laughs) It's a sick burn on humans. It is. Nice. I love that. But I am kind of tired. I feel like it's come up in the Defenders a bunch. I feel like it's come up in the Teen Titans a bunch. That it's kind of a lazy shorthand for teamwork is important. Everybody punch at the same time. Mm -hmm. It's not a real plan. And it's amazing how often it works. And that it doesn't occur to anybody before that. And that that's like, oh my gosh, we're doing amazing teamwork now mm-hmm. by all punching at the same time. Right. It's not that it's a bad idea. It's just that I feel like it's kind of lazy and like rather than coming up with a real plan that that's just, okay, that's what we'll do. Mm-hmm. I think that's how they took out the barrier that they got to Dormammu at. It's how they took out the Nameless One. It was how the Teen Titans took out Trigon's minion. It's pretty common in comic book stuff, and I'm kind of sick of it. 
Teamwork makes the dream work, my friend. I'm not saying they shouldn't have teamwork. I'm saying actually come up with a plan and use your individual powers in a way that complement each other rather than everybody hit him. Oh, what a great plan. You're a great strategist, yeah, Nighthawk. Yeah, no, because then basically the the other alternative is like, you know, one of those powers, like the Flash's power, like like Steve Strange's power, is just suddenly going to become super omnipotent and solve everything. Those, that's like that's one of the two ways things. Yeah, there happen. are other ways they could do it. They could like... No, it's impossible. Oh, okay. You're right. What are they going to use? Science? They could use some science. Comic book science? Yeah. I like it when people use comic book science. All right. Like, how come none of them ever build a treadmill? Oh, that's a good question. Yeah. That was one of my favorite things in like the Super Friends. The twins and uh, one of them could turn into any form of water and the other could turn into any animal. And they'd be like... Treadmill made out of ice, mm-hmm. and I'll turn it into a cheetah, and then we'll make that light bulb go on. Mm-hmm. Like, do some more of that. Like, crazy mousetrap what? teamwork. Wonder, That's what I what, like. We need the Wonder Twins in this. Yeah. Okay. Form of teamwork. Shape of teamwork. <laughs> there you go. Science. <laughs> yeah. So I was talking about them busting out of the bubble. Nighthawk is the one who is like, hey guys... Just all hit at the same time. And they're like, of course, great idea. Yeah, that's what we'll do it. You guys are all idiots for not thinking of that sooner because you were human beings. Ha, burn. Also, yeah, good plan. And then they do. It works. The sphere explodes. The snow globe is destroyed. And they are all loose in space. And Nighthawk is like, shit, how are we breathing? This is great. Mm -hmm. And Doctor Strange is just like, oh, I made a spell that lets us all breathe. Mm -hmm. Nighthawk knew that they were in space. He came up with a plan that burst the bubble, and then, after that, was surprised that they could breathe. Was he just planning on having them all kill themselves right then? I think he just wasn't thinking it through. I was worried when they were going to break that. I was like, dude, yeah. how are you guys going to breathe? You're in yeah, fucking space. Yeah, I was worried about it too, but didn't mm-hmm. even occur to him. Nope. I feel like that's the problem with billionaires. They've got that golden parachute all their life. Somebody else will figure this out. Yeah, I'll just do what I do, and then I'll apologize later, you yeah. know? It'll be great. Yeah. Obviously, glad they all decided to breathe. Mm-hmm. Good job, Doctor Strange, in that matter. But yeah, let's maybe think things through a little better. I had somebody ask online what kind of level we would have to set at Patreon to get you to sing the Manusha song. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> so I'm working that out. Just <laughs> know you might have to do some singing soon if we got some generous people. Do you have the voice of an angel? Wait, do you have the voice of an angel? No. I don't have the voice of an angel. Oh, was that you? Uh, does America's Songbird have the voice of an angel? I believe so. That's why I'm America's Songbird. Oh. You look like an angel when you're sleeping, Corey. Thank you. Okay. Wait, no, no, no. Thank you. No problem. You know I hate looking at sleeping uggos. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't, but noted. We got minutia. It's not the biggest part, it's just minutia. Like Corey eating farts, we got minutia. Time to sweat the small stuff. Thanks, Rick. What do you feel like starting with? There were so many good sound effects in this. There there really were. I had three that stood out to me. How, how many do you have? I have four. Why don't you start? I think at the top of the list is on page 17, and it's when Nebulon blasts the Hulk. Yeah. I know it, the one you're talking yeah, about. And it makes a zoot. <laughs> yeah. I pronounced it zunt. Yeah. But like a real good laser noise. Yeah. With no, a big I, purple explosion. I liked that a lot. I had my favorites picked out and then I saw that. I think that one might be my favorite. My other favorites are both ones that I call Elmer Fudd sound effects. Oh, page 18, <laughs> perhaps. Uh, perhaps. Boaroom. Oh, no. No, no, no. It is not page 18. So apparently there are at least three. <laughs> 
Elmer Fudd sound effects. On page 18, we have Thwump. Is that the one you're talking about? Yeah, that sounds very... Thwump. Thwump. When two heroes collide. (laughs) Thwump. My two favorites were... One of them is on page 11, and it's... Boom! (laughs) Now... What do you use a broom to clean up? A closet. Well, no. the other room that you could use a broom to clean up would be the bois room. The bois. Like if there had been, say, a bois room blitz. <laughs> it is the noise that actually kills Nighthawk. When the laser blows up, it goes bois room. Ah. And I read that as Bois Room. The man it's the a Bois Room attack. Yes. The celestial men from beyond the stars shouted everyone attack and it <laughs> turned into a Bois Room Blitz. <laughs> and then we needed to queen up with a boom. That is very funny. Ian. Yes, quite. Mm-hmm. What was your other favorite? I liked uh, one of the other Elmer Fudd noises. That was the thwump on thwump. page 18. That was pretty good. I liked a shoom. Shoom is always fun. And then uh, good old uh, Sprack. Sprack is nice. Sprack is nice. These are all these are all good ones. What, what's your favorite? I'm going to go with the Zunt. Zunt is good. I'm going to go slightly with Boiroom. Hmm. That's fair. So those are some pretty good sound effects. Indeed. You ready to talk about fashion, Corey? Oh, am I? Yeah, there's a lot to talk about. Most of it, I, I was like, oh, geez. Me and Miles talked about so much in, of the sartorially speaking of last issue, and it's pretty much all the same characters, but there were some we didn't get to, mm-hmm. even with the extra long sartorially speaking segment. So, what do you feel like talking about? I'm just going to go straight to the top of the list with Nebulon's bad guy glam getup. It's pretty great. I don't know what you call it. It's maybe a unitard. Does that not include the legs? So, like, his deal is it's like a woman's one-piece bathing suit. Yes. But made but out made of stars. Out of the universe. Yeah. Yes. And he with is a giant, With a giant belt, like yep. a silver belt. Yep. And then, yeah, this flowing, like, white hair and golden skin. Yeah. It's it's pretty, pretty impressive. He's very Elric looking. Yeah. I would talk about that. Like I said, me and Miles, I think, talked about him in pretty extensive detail in the last one. But the two things that we didn't cover that I really noticed in this issue are a couple of kind of minor points. I want to talk about the wizard's costume. Okay. So first of all, he's the wizard. He has a yellow costume. Sounds like P. Great. Mm -hmm. But some of the other accents on his costume are, it's got like a blue triangle made of like lightning bolts that Mm -hmm. meets at like his chest Mm -hmm. that covers his head. He's got some like prescient seeming, what I would associate with very 80s looking action sunglasses that Mm -hmm. are part of his outfit. But the main thing that he's got is a weird arrow on his forehead that is pointing to his head. And I feel like somebody erased where it said, I'm with stupid. (laughs) Like in the last issue, I think it looked more like a fast forward sign, Mm. like the double arrow. Mm -hmm. In this one, it is pretty clearly just an arrow pointing at his forehead. Kind of like the last avatar, but more like an I'm with stupid because he's pretty dumb. I really like the wizard in this. Yeah, I was puzzled about that arrow, too, because it's kind of, if he's facing you, it's, like, basically pointing down, like, towards his nose or towards the ground or who knows what. Why is that there? I don't know. Yeah. Nobody knows. It's it's pretty weird. Mm -hmm. The other thing that I noticed that I hadn't noticed in the last issue was we talked about Hyperion's stupid domino mask last issue, but what I hadn't noticed is that he wears his cape funny. He wears his cape all on one side. Ah. Like, he's 
a Baron or Shazam. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a, it's a pretty distinct look and I actually really like it. It doesn't make a ton of sense in terms of physics because it does flow out behind him, but it is only fastened on one side. Like unless there's some like wires going on. Could be like sewn to the back of his shirt. Maybe. He does not like it when people touch his cape. No. He, he doesn't like a lot of things. Very angry young man. He's a jerk. With a little Dutch boy haircut. Goofy looking jerk. He's a goofy looking jerk. Might be part raccoon from a different <laughs> universe. But he wears his cape with a lot of flair. Mm-hmm. And I have to respect that. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't want anybody touching it either if I had a cool, cool cape that I had learned to wear in a very distinctive fashion. Especially the wizard. Mm-hmm. Man. <laughs> wizard pulls on his cape and gets knocked out. Yeah. We got an email from uh, Brad Reed who talked about a thing that happens in Sal Buscema comic books a lot, which is a bad guy usually will get knocked out and they will go upside down flying towards what would be the camera mm-hmm. if it was a photograph and their mouth will be a wide open trapezoid of blackness. Mm-hmm. And it's a very Sal Buscema shot, but that is exactly what happens to the wizard in that panel and it looks really cool. Mm-hmm. There are actually a couple of times that happens in this issue. It happens with the wizard. It also happens in Hyperion's flashback to Thor when he's beating Thor up. Mm -hmm. But I thought that was kind of interesting and kind of fun to note. Mm -hmm. What do you feel like hitting next? I had a a struggle with finding the worst offender in this issue. Really? Yeah. I unfortunately didn't. Oh, okay. You want to do best defender, worst offender? Sure, unless you prefer to save that. No, 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 no. For a while, as I was reading the issue and trying to keep in mind who was going to be the worst offender, it kept coming down to either Nighthawk or Val. Because Val just doesn't do very much in this issue. She hits a lot of stuff. Maybe not to great effect, but yeah. she's she's. I mean, she, she's in the mix. She's active, but she's yeah. not very effective. That's a good point. And she is the only one that doesn't really get any licks in on Nebulon when they're fighting him. Mm. But like I said, both her and Nighthawk are kind of running steady in that regard and are kind of almost parallels of ineffectiveness of each other throughout the issue. But then Nighthawk does a couple of things. He does come up with a plan that busts them out of the bubble that they all punch at the same time. Mm-hmm. And he didn't think it through. So, I mean, if it had been up to him to just plan that, then they all would have died in space. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of a wash. But then he does blow, sacrifice his life to blow up Nebulon with the laser that he helped build. So, I mean, he's not the worst offender. He actually does a pretty great job mm-hmm. overall and is very heroic. Val really doesn't do anything. Mm. And it's the second issue in a row, and I hate I hate to do it, but I mean, Namor did great and was just awesome Namoring around. Doctor Strange helped bring a dude back to life mm. and also gave them air so that they didn't all die in space. The Hulk is just charming, and he also punches super hard and mm-hmm. is pretty instrumental in knocking around Nebulon and also tries so hard to mouth the words along mm. to the resurrection bring ceremony. Back to life. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so through process of elimination, I had to end up with Val. Okay. Who'd you end That's up fair. with? Well, yeah, this one was a struggle for for me. Val was 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 in the in the running, but it's not really fair of me to pick Doctor Strange because he did do the he, thing with the he air, straight up Lazarus did, and he brought people back to life. But I'm blaming him for the fact that Namor is no longer going to be in the future issues, and I'm kind of pissed off about it. That is fair. That is fair. Because of the way that he started this whole fucking thing, Namor's like, leave me alone. He's like, no, I'm going to imprison you and bring you here and force oh, you... you to listen to my shit. Nah. Yeah. Okay. I, I understand that. That doesn't happen in this issue. But the repercussions of it do. The, this is the issue where the chickens come home to roost. And yes, you're you're correct in that regard. I, I can understand that. And I think there's this cumulative thing, too, of Namor just being like, you know what, dude? 
fuck this shit. Yeah. You can only Stop quit the team. Me. You can only quit the team so many times before it, it's going to stick. And mm-hmm. I feel like if Doctor Strange had gone about things in a different way, then yeah, I think you're probably right. So okay, I think I think that's fair. Yeah, I mean technically he did do a bunch of cool shit in the issue that everybody would be dead if he hadn't done. But yeah, his actions also annoyed me enough that I gave him the thumbs down. Conversely, who did you have as your best defender? Uh, conversely, indeed, it was it was a character whom you had in the running for the worst. And it was basically for the reasons that you mentioned uh, Nighthawk uh, heroism and willing to self-sacrifice to kill the gross, slimy um, Nebulon that I picked him. Yeah, I had him too, actually, ah. despite the things that I said early on. Just the fact, you know, you, you give up your life to save the planet. You're at least going to be in the running. Although, I'm going to go with Namor. well keep well just i I loved how he sassed dr strange and he did a real good job with the punching and hitting and flying my brain is choosing nighthawk but Mm -hmm. much like you decided to choose dr strange Mm -hmm. for past work i'm choosing namor for just being my my favorite defender and we're not going to get to see him for a little while that's understandable do keep in mind that though between this and the last issue like the earth would basically have been destroyed had Nighthawk not brought this to the attention of the Defenders in the first place. That's true, but Earth wouldn't be destroyed, just be underwater. You know who would be pretty happy about that if you really sat down and thought about it? Well, yeah, that the also made no that, goddamn sense The, in the fact last that issue, he decided right? to thwart that, very mm-hmm. altruistic of him, despite his better sense, despite his better judgment. Despite it being almost completely contradictory to his entire <laughs> character. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, way to go, Namor. Right. Way to take one for the team. Indeed. I'm sorry, it's not a team. Way to take one for the loose collective of individuals who occasionally have common goals. Yep, yep, good job. What was your favorite panel? I liked on page 22 a little panel that I call Grossed Out Everyone. <laughs> I had the same one. I just called it, ah! <laughs> and then I had in parentheses after it, so Sal. Uh, yeah, everybody in that panel, but especially Hyperion. His and... mouth is open so big. <laughs> he's just like, ah! And his eyes are open so wide. And the wizard is like, he's got the total salbucema, like spittle stalactites. Mm-hmm. Everyone is freaked out with this uh, Cthulhu pillar. It is pretty great. And actually the... The panel opposite that, the, the full page spread of Nebulon's true form. Pretty good, too. Indeed. The other ones that I had that were in contention were page 31, the very Kirby-esque close-up of Kyle Richmond, Nighthawk, as he is being resurrected. And there's just, like, cosmic energy all over him, and he's all orange and black. Mm-hmm. It's really cool looking. The other one that was kind of in contention for me is just the shot of him and the Hulk with the Hulk's arm around him, and they're both wearing tattered clothes, and the Hulk saying, Birdnose will be Hulk's new friend. (laughs) It is pretty adorable. What, in your opinion, were the best words in this issue? Man, there was quite a few to choose from. There there really were. There really were. I had clear favorites that I chose when it started, and I was like, well, let's see if anything beats that. And nothing did, because how could it? The opening captioning in the Mm. issue is so fun. Attention. The planet Sol 3, called Earth, having been duly purchased by one Nebulon, called the Celestial Man, from its previous owners, Hyperion, Dr. Spectrum, and the Wizard, called the Squadron Sinister, must be evacuated immediately. 
Would all three and a half billion previous tenants please collect any necessary belongings and report to the corner of Madison Avenue and 57th Street for removal to a new quarters? This has been a public service announcement. Mm-hmm. That's fun as hell. That was a fun I way to that. start it off. Yeah. What else did you have? I always enjoy it when Hulk attempts to engage in banter with his enemies. <laughs> what instance of that did you choose? There was actually a few in here, but the one that I think was my favorite was on page 17, and it's when the the Hulk and Hyperion are having a, like, I'm more powerful than you contest. And Hulk says, bah, is that all the power Goldface has? The Hulk laughs at your power. At your puny power. At your puny power. Yeah, that was pretty good. I liked that a lot. Nighthawk also had a pretty good dig that he got in at one point. That was a terrible dig, but I liked how proud he was of it. Hyperion's talking about how great his friend Nebulon is. There are countless other dimensional worlds that Nebulon can transport us to. And Nighthawk says, Why don't you have him transport you under a rock, ugly? That's where all of you belong. Oh, zing. <laughs> it's such a fourth grade diss. That is a good And one. I really liked that. There's also some great caption work describing how hideous Nebulon is in his true form. Now, Lenween just has a fucking blast writing this, and it really comes through. And mm -hmm. there was a lot of fun stuff to read in that. Gotta be a sucker. There's a couple of pretty obvious ones. We've already really talked about. Yeah. For me, it's Hyperion, but an argument can also be made for Nebulon. Mm -hmm. I feel like we've gone over the reasons why... I thought Hyperion didn't make a ton of sense. Mm -hmm. That was, to me, the most blatant example of, like, wait, why doesn't he just want to kill them? Mm -hmm. Seems like killing people's pretty solid traditional revenge. Yep, just wants to make them see the Earth get submerged in water first. Yeah. Namor will hate that. Make them go to space first. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, go to space. Yeah, because there's no way anybody could survive that, you know, like I did. Yeah, what could go wrong? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I, I I would go for Hyperion, I think, for the, the sucker. Although Nebulon's going back and forth about, Ah, oh, it's such a relief to be in my true form. I don't need to maintain that stupid illusion anymore. When seconds ago he'd been like, No, no, nobody look at me! Mm -hmm. And then after that, when he's just like, Oh, it's so great to be in this form. But I should probably change back into the human form that I assumed earlier. There's that. There's also when they're in the bubble and the Sinister Squadron are like, let's kill the Defenders, and Nebulon's like, I have no wish to do any of you harm. Then why are you destroying the planet and doing all this other bad shit? Because he's an interstellar geologist. Who doesn't want to fall upon disgrace or <laughs> lack of minerals. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's all great criminals. <laughs> are, uh, yep. Yeah. Well, before we get on to wrong place, right time, I think we need to reflect on the fact that so, I know he's going to be back eventually, but we're saying goodbye to a pretty dear friend in Namor for quite a while, and I just think we should stop and reflect on some of the good times that we've had together. You you're ready, Corey? I'm ready. How do I I'll never forget the time when Namor knew he had to go into another dimension, so he decided to stop and roll around in his snowbank for a good ten minutes before went on a long trip oh yeah that was charming i really enjoyed that i think one of the things i'll miss most about the prince of atlantis is like there's just very few people that can make arrogance cool yeah maybe even no one but he does the best at that man i, I love him so much he's my favorite defender i love how he likes to sit on the main coast and slurp oysters like the classiest hobo in the world Mm. I like how he borrows 
Steve Strange's fedora goes undercover to save his friend the Hulk. That's true. That was a nice time. Mm -hmm. Not everybody can rock a pair of ankle wings like that. I would say almost nobody can. Mm -hmm. I mean, Namor and Namor are do okay, but they're no Namor. Oh, Namor, I'm gonna miss you so much. Safe travels, buddy. That, that felt good. Oh, yeah. I'm glad we did that. Yep. Although, Corey, mm. we're actually saying goodbye to two dear friends, one new and one old, because this is also the last appearance of Nighthawk's dope-dope uniform. Nighthawk's costume had a rampant hawk on its chest whose wings extended all the way down Nighthawk's arms and then turned into gloves, making it look like some kind of a crazy stretch Armstrong hawk. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was pretty great. Yeah, it was the best wraparound hawks to gloves I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Had the underpants on the outside like a good superhero costume show. Gotta have the underpants on the outside. Uh-huh. It had a bird beak over his nose like goddamn Groucho Marx glasses. A big fucking bright orange bird beak. It looked goofy as hell. So he could fight crime at night incognito. Mm-hmm. It had weird like quail things coming off of his nose or eyebrow feathers i was trying to find that if hawks even have eyebrow feathers and i don't think they do it was like those things that moths like and the antennae those fuzzy antennae that moths have yeah it's a good look it's a terrible look it's hard to miss it. take it seriously but i'm gonna miss it it had that big giant arched cape that stood way up in the back that didn't make any goddamn sense. That cape was jacked. It must have been a huge impediment for him going through doors. <sighs> Goodbye, Nighthawk's original uniform. I'm gonna miss you, buddy. Rest in peace, <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so. Mm. Thanks to the benevolence of our Patreon donors, we have a segment called Wrong Place, Right Time. Corey, in July of 1974, what do you think Wong was up to? Well, taking a break from his many scientific pursuits, which we've discussed in the past, if I'm talking about the right comic book. I believe so. Okay. And actually, somebody did point something out. There is a connection between computer science and the Doobie Brothers. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Jeff Skunk Baxter, after the Doobie Brothers broke up, who was their uh, guitar player, oh. became a civilian missile command consultant. <laughs> what? Was apparently a bit of a scientific savant. Huh. No shit. Yeah. So, I'm sorry. Uh, continue. Quite all right. So, taking a break from his academic pursuits. Sure. Computer. Wait, no. no that, that, was was the, that was Aqualad. That was Aqualad. Wong is not a Doobie Brothers fan. Well, he's probably a Doobie Brothers fan. He's got a good heart. Yeah, yeah come on, Hope. Cut, he, cut the guys some slack. Yeah, he probably likes the earlier Harder Rock and Doobie Brothers stuff. I think Aqualad might mm. lean more towards the Michael McDonald era stuff, which I'm not as crazy about. But No, no, Wong's definitely more of a China Grove kind of Yeah, totally. Listen guy. to the music. <laughs> yeah. But he's stressed out. Yeah? Yeah, because the Nixon hearings are going on. Oh, gosh. At this time. Mm-hmm. And they're wrapping up, and it looks like impeachment's looming, which he's glad about because he doesn't want to crook in the White House. Right. But it's fucking stressful. And so he needs to blow off some steam and take a break. So he's out and about. He's in San Diego at the time, enjoying the 6th Comic-Con. Sure. Checking things out. Yeah. But even that just gets to be too much for him. He's like, man, I need to to get out of here and and just be alone for a while. And he's kind of walking down the street. Yeah. 
you know, kicking pieces of paper and his hands are in his pocket. Oh, no. Yeah. And then he comes by a theater and there's this giant poster of Charles Bronson's face. <laughs> well, that's got to be a welcoming sight to anyone. <laughs> and he's like, oh, shit. I don't know what this is, but I'm going to go check it out. And he watches the uh, the premiere of uh, Death Wish. Yeah. Did he like it? Uh, we, I haven't gotten I I past this. I just, he I walks don't. into the theater, gets a large popcorn and that's, with and extra butter. And that's just like fade out. And it fades to black. starts. Yeah. I think that maybe Death Wish didn't provide the kind of escapist fiction that he was hoping for. It didn't for me in like 70s action movies. And that, frankly, especially in the Death Wish movies, there's this whole almost titillation surrounding rape scenes that is really shitty. That's pretty gross. Yeah. yeah. And it shows up in a lot of 70s. It's, it's what ruined, unfortunately, Billy Jack. Because otherwise that movie would have been a lot of fun. But then, yeah, horrific rape scene. Yeah, stop doing that. Yeah. Guys, directors. It's, it's, it's pretty terrible. So, I think we answered our own question. Yes. Long leaves the theater. <laughs> Back to shuffling down the street. Kicking paper. The Charlie Brown music is playing in the background. So, Hub, I, I hope you have the second installment of well, what's going on. I wouldn't say it's relaxing for Wong. In July of 1974, there were a couple of cataclysmic events that happened earth-shattering, earth-changing events. The first was on July 8th. USSR started doing some underground nuclear testing. Oh, that can't be good. Really shook the foundation of the earth. Mm. Really loosened things up. Mm. Really started to, unbeknownst to anyone, create a rift between dimensions. Oh, shit. And then another world-shattering event happened a few days later. Uh-oh. <laughs> a very special boy was born. Aww. One Corey Whitney Aww, was thanks, born buddy. on July 11th. And it was like the universe knew that that birth would have implications for the DC universe, the Marvel <laughs> universe, and our own universe. Oh, shit. And it created a portal between dimensions. Mm. Now, at that time, Wonder Girl's popping around the DC universe. Mm-hmm. Titans are out of work right then. She's in a little bit of a daze. Boom! Nuclear test. Uh. Boom! Corey being born. Oh, no. She just gets a little bit out of it. She gets a little bit mentally confused. Oh, no. Not the cat. Well, another important thing happened in July of 1974. Hmm. Tigra debuted in the Marvel Universe. Oh. And Wonder Girl sensed there's a cat woman around. Uh-oh. And she just started mindlessly walking towards our dimension. So Wong had to go over USSR and he had to battle Wonder Girl. What? And keep her from entering our dimension to strangle Tigra uh-huh. and seal off a dimension in the process. Whew. He had a very busy July. What a tangled web. Yeah, and then he had to watch a shitty movie like Death Wish. Oh, <laughs> sorry, Wong. Poor fella. I hope you got better things going on in August, buddy. Yeah. I gotta say, overall, it's a good thing that Wong's place was in the right time. Indeed. <laughs> that didn't make any sense as a sentence, did it? Nope. Okay. Good job. Thanks. <laughs> Likewise. You know what? Hmm. Corey? Yep. Here's to a hundred more. Cheers. Whew. That is good. It was. You know what else is good? Hmm. Our listeners. Indeed. Thanks for listening, guys. Really appreciate it. Never would have made it to a hundred episodes without you. Thank you so much for your support. 
If you feel like giving us a monetary present for reaching this milestone episode, <laughs> you can do that. You certainly are under no obligation to do so. And thank you so much for listening. Uh, if you do feel like making a donation, you can do so at patreon.com backslash ttwasteland. If you want to just send me a letter, you can do that electronically. No. At ttwasteland at gmail.com. You can follow me on Twitter at ttwasteland. And if you wanted to leave us an iTunes review, that would help people find the show. And we're kind of out of it this episode, so I'm sorry about that. But thanks for tuning in. We're lucky to have you. And thanks for cutting me some slack on this, our 100th episode. Yeah, slack all around. Yeah, man. Really, J.R. Bob Dobbs. Yep. Give me slack. You guys are great. So swears me. Oh, so swears me. <laughs> Goodbye. Bye.